Well, today's episode, we revisit one of our earlier episodes, episode six, and give you some tips on how you can find and approach someone to be your mentor. Uh, having a mentor is like having a GPS to go somewhere and travel. They've kind of been through many things that you've been through. They could be currently going through something and can offer insight to your own career journey. Also on today's show, we have um, we share some of our thoughts on Andrew Yang, presidential candidate Andrew Yang's assertion that automation is the biggest thing that we should be worried about. So let's get into it. Episode 52 of the Beyond the Cubicle podcast right after the intro. Okay, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at this is BTC. You can also hit us at the email pod BTC at gmail.com. That's P-O-D BTC at gmail.com. Today we dive back into an earlier episode where we talk about finding and approaching a mentor. It could be a nerve-wracking thing. If you're an introvert, we have some tips for you there, too. Um, So, yeah, before we get into it, I wanted to kind of share some thoughts on uh, something that I was reading this week. Um, It's actually a quote and it's a quote that we hear often. I think it kind of ties into the mentor topic. The quote is, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, sometimes I walk into meetings and. You know, I have butterflies in my stomach because I'm looking at the people in the room and across from me. And I'm like, wow, you know, from VPs to directors and presidents and things like that. And I'm like, you know, these people in this room probably have forgotten more than I have even learned to this point. And sometimes that can be intimidating, but it can also be um, exhilarating. It's a challenge because that means it's an opportunity to learn something and to keep pushing myself to get better. How that kind of ties into the the mentor topic is one of those people could potentially be um, a mentor in a specific area for you. And so I encourage you, if you walk into a room and you feel butterflies, that's okay. That means you may not be the smartest person in the room. And that means there's an opportunity for you to learn. If you've gotten to the point that when you do walk into a room and you are the smartest person in there, you're probably no longer going to be challenged and it's time to level up. And we talk about that pretty often on this show. And so you can kind of go back and kind of reference some of the things that we mentioned. Okay. So let's get into the episode. Here we go. Flashback to episode six, finding and approaching a mentor. Good place. Let's talk about finding first. Uh, Finding, Keep your antenna open. Let your family be involved, your friends. And it goes like this. Hey, I am in the public speaking world. Who's good? And really what you want first are people that are good in that area. So you take all that data in and they'll, you know, uh, come up with a name. And there are a couple of friends of mine that are just awesome speakers. And when I'm around them, when they're talking, I'm getting wisdom. And I'm, I'm sucking in everything that they say. 
maybe I'll talk to my pop or my son or my daughter and I'll say, hey, uh, who do you know that's good? And they'll say, hey, I went to listen to this person and this person is good. Well, you want a list of people that seem to have some expertise in the field you're interested in and you want to make a long list of that and you want to be open to absolutely any and everybody because you don't know where that one nugget is going to come from mm -hmm. that makes you just you know turns you into the monster just the beast that can do it all um so you want that list to be long and you just you open up the doors hey guys any and everybody all you guys in my social network uh, looking for somebody that's really good at this you guys got any names and collect that um once you've got that list mm -hmm. Now you've got something to go after. Now I'm going to research. We're in the age of Google and Instagram and social right, media. Right. I'm, I'm going to get in your business. I'm going to pull you up and see what you've done. I'm going on LinkedIn to see who endorses you. I'm going on uh, Instagram to see if you have any words of wisdom, to see if our philosophies are similar. Right. You know, I thought some people are great and then gone to Twitter and read what they, what they wrote. And I realized we were not on the same page. Right. So there's no really need for me to bother you. Yeah. Um, but you kind of want to do research. So I may say I have 80 to 100 folks there that are on the list of people I'd like to talk to. I'm going to do my research mm -hmm. to say who really fits in with where I think I'd like to go. I think it's interesting what you pointed out about just kind of researching the, the personal side of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, as much as I use social media, sometimes I often forget it's easy to go find out what people's views are on things oh. because oftentimes we forget how much our social media is now a part of our entire perception profile. Absolutely. Basically. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, it's like I hear it all the time because I've had friends recently uh, talk about them going on interviews mm -hmm. and their recruiter asking them what their social media profiles, uh, either that or commenting, sorry, not asking, yes. but commenting on what their social media profiles. Absolutely. Like. For some reason, it just never stuck that, oh, well, if I want to know something about somebody I'm considering uh, asking to be my mentor or even somebody that I may be considering mentoring. Yes. Right. Yes. That I would go out and just kind of check their social media profiles just to kind of see what their views we are. We do it all the time now. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a part of our it's a part of our world. In fact, we are so published publishing oriented. I don't know how you say that. Mm -hmm. uh, almost all of our thoughts and beliefs, man, if you check my Facebook page, you see my Twitter, you see my Instagram, right. you know, I believe in family, you know, I believe in God, you know, uh, I'd rather focus on achieving something than fighting you about a minute issue. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to know pretty much who I am. That's good. You know? But that's also, you know, your mentors and the more professional they are, you're going to be able to see that by checking their social media. So in terms of like figuring out how to even get started looking for a mentor. Reach out to your circle. Right. See if there's some names floating around. Then start to do your research. Absolutely. Okay. Next step in that is the approach, right? Right. Okay. You need an introduction. Yeah. A couple of ways you can do that. If it's via somebody in your circle, mm -hmm. please use them as an introduction. Okay. Uh, if it's somebody that you know, a friend of a friend. And what that does, it allows this person to at least gauge where you might be coming from. Correct. Had a young young man reach out to me last week that was referred to me by another young person I love dearly. And they said, hey, my buddy so-and-so is going to call you. And we had a chat. He told me his background, his philosophy. Uh, I shared with him mine. 
had a great time. We're connected now by email. He's mm-hmm. in another city. Mm-hmm. But he can call me at any time and can shoot me an email on absolutely any subject. And I'm looking forward to, to, to having dialogue with him. Uh, it's not a one-way street, however, okay. because I learned things from all of you guys that I would never have known without it. So there's give and take mm-hmm. in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And while you might say, this person is my mentoring, be sure they are learning from you too. And how you are either validates or helps them change their perception about something. Yeah. So it is a two-way street. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So if the mentor is a friend of a friend. Yes, getting that. Or if they're associated with that friend. Yes, using that. Away. I think that's a great tip for introverts. Yes. Because as an introvert myself, I find it difficult to uh, often step outside of my myself and make that initial step. Oh, it's putting yourself out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The cool thing is this, though. On that connection, and, and I know we're going to get to the cold call next. Yeah. On that connection, when you're saying, look, I would just like to be able to stay connected, shoot you an email every now and then and get your perspectives on things. Right. Anybody that's worth their salt, and there's a point, and psychology will tell you, there's a point, there's an age, there's a process that you go through life where you are looking to actually help. I'm very blessed, to be honest. There's nothing really I want. Mm -hmm. So it comes from a spot where who else can I help? Now, I remember the painful times and the absolutely dumb, idiotic things I've done. Mm -hmm. So I care about you. I care about, you know, the rest of the young folks in the crew. I don't want to see you guys be as stupid as I was. Right. It's painful. It hurts. So I'll think about that pain and say, hey, who can I who can I help? Can I tell somebody <laughs> where this is? Because I'd rather see you smile yeah, yeah. than have that look on your face that I had on my face back in the 70s and 80s going, duh. The cold call then. The cold call and then I have a follow-up. After That's that. the tricky one. Mm-hmm. That's the one where you say, hey, here is somebody that is a, maybe they're a phenom in their field. There is no reason why you don't shoot them an email or, or whatever their form of communication is and say, hey, I would love to just ask you a couple of questions. Now, here's a couple of tricks to that. If they've written a book, mm-hmm. if they're published, if they are known for having accomplished whatever, I usually ask my questions related to whatever work they did. Mm, okay, okay. So you came up with a new system of, say, managing a financial problem yeah. that pops yeah. up yeah i'd say hey brian uh you you know you don't know me from adam's house cat but in my email uh i read some of your work it was brilliant if you have a moment just a second i would love to be able to shoot you a couple of emails back and forth and ask you something about whatever is this okay with you always get their permission right and you're gonna be nice it's one of those days maybe you're only half you know half crazed in the afternoon you say yeah, this kid looks like he's good. And I, I would put some kind of intro. You know, my name is Eric Kelly. I'm uh, fresh out of UT and mm-hmm. finance, mm-hmm. and I'm looking to grow my career. I looked at your work. Do you mind if I shoot you an email every now and then and ask you a couple of questions? Mm-hmm. Unless you're having a real bad day, you're probably going to say, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, if you're arrogant and cocky and say, ah, these youngsters, I don't want to talk to them, then you don't want that person as a mentor anyway. Right, which is something I want to say for the end, too, just, yeah. just about the other side of it. Yeah. Um, so the follow-up I wanted to ask was, is there a such thing as 
and I don't even know if it's the right term. It's just the term that comes to my head, right? Mm-hmm. Passive mentoring. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, let's say I am, I'll speak financial terms. I'm a staff accountant. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, let's say I'm a staff accountant and I'm like a deep introvert. Got it. Like it's just difficult. Period. Got it. I have anxiety about approaching <laughs> people. Got it. Got so it. being an accountant actually it's fits cool. the model. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because there's there's very little that we have to do in terms of like socializing, right? Got it. Um, well, let's just say that's my profile, right? Okay. I'm an accountant, staff accountant, low end, right? And I'm a deep introvert, right? Deeply introverted. Passive mentoring in my mind would be, let's say there's someone that I see around the office. They're higher up. Mm-hmm. It would terrify me to approach them even through an email mm-hmm. because I'm, maybe I'm afraid of that rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I can kind of keep track of what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, I can see the different type of decisions that they've made. I can hear you know, from time to time whether I'm in meetings with them or whatever, how they're making decisions, how they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm learning that way. Mm-hmm. That, that works. It? That works. There's another term we use for that. It's called modeling. Okay, modeling. Okay. And that is a form. Sounds if, a lot more but not, you have to be you have to be very astute. So for you to go there, mm-hmm. you're already very astute. You're already understanding this person has something that I'd like to I'd like to have. Gotcha. So that means your brain is already wide open to information. So yes, it will work. And you're watching, you're calibrating, you're in meetings, you watch how they carry themselves, and you start to model, and that is very effective. Mm-hmm. And here's the reason why. In your organization, if they have been successful, mm-hmm. and they tend to have been successful, you're going to look at the behaviors that your, in, in more, more cases than not, you're going to look at the behaviors that your organization rewards. All right, quick break before we get into our bonus clip um, where we're kind of diving into presidential candidate Andrew Yang's assertion that automation should be the, the one of the key things that we're looking at um, when deciding our next president. Um, yeah, just remember. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is BTC. We'd love to hear from you guys. We want your feedback, want your stories. Um, if you have topic suggestions, things that you know you'd like to see covered that may be more personal to you, absolutely reach out to us at podbtc at gmail.com. Podbtc at gmail.com. All right, let's get into this bonus clip. We want to talk about. Um, just current event things that are happening in the news and just kind of how, uh, you know, you, you should be thinking about it in terms of your career journey or, or maybe it has some type of impact on it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know how much you're keeping up with the current slate of uh, Democrats that are entering the race. But there's one in particular that has caught my attention just in terms of the things that he's talking about. I, I don't know. I don't care. Like your political affiliations and all that doesn't matter. You listen to the show. It's like work is work, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that, that is what it is. But uh, Andrew Yang, who's currently running for president, not sure how viable he is to be selected as the nominee. But some of the ideas and things that he is talking about, I kind of. I kind of enjoy listening to. I think it's something that should be implemented or um, kind of included in in the dialogue. In the dialogue, yep. One of the things that he's he's talking about is just the 
the rise of automation over the past, I guess, 30 to 40 years that has led to our current state and some of the the job markets, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The clear areas to see the impact of automation is in the blue-collar skill jobs, right? Your factories. The easiest to automate. Right. Your factories, your coal... um, uh, truck driving is one that he that he particularly um, is, is talking about right now just because of some of the latest automation, like automate vehicles and robots for delivery and things like that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm going to play a clip from him and kind of let him um, uh, kind of uh, in, in a concise way, I guess, say, give his thoughts on it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll come back and kind of talk about it a little bit more and really talk about how it's really been happening for some time. And just how those of us who are already in the workforce and labor force can take this knowledge and how it can inform how we approach either changing jobs or looking for new jobs um, or just even improving ourselves in our current space. Gotcha. Well, if you look at the backdrop, we automated away 4 million manufacturing jobs in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Missouri, and those communities have never recovered. Where if you look at the numbers, half of the workers left the workforce and never worked again, and then half of that group filed for disability. Now, what happened to the manufacturing workers is now going to happen to the truck drivers, retail workers, call centers, fast food workers, and on and on through the economy as we evolve and technology marginalizes the labor of more and more Americans. What will be the effects of that to you? I mean, that's, that's a massive displacement of people. What will happen once that happens? Well, as you said, I think it's going to be disastrous, where if you look at truck drivers alone, being a trucker is the most common job in 29 states. There are three and a half million truck drivers in this country. Uh, And my friends in Silicon Valley are working on trucks that can drive themselves because that's where the money is, where we can save tens, even hundreds of billions of dollars by trying to automate that job. But I was just with truck drivers in Iowa last week, and imagining that community recovering from their income going from, let's call it $50,000 a year to, to much, much less than that catastrophically, it's going to be a disaster for many, many American communities. So what I find interesting about that is, you know, he's talking about the impacts of different industries on automation. And I was, I, it hit me like maybe two days ago, I was talking to my wife about it. I was like, you know, We've actually been automating the heck out of jobs. I was about to for go forty some years. I was every you know the McDonald's person only has to push on a picture of a hamburger. Hold on, I don't know if you've even noticed. You go in some McDonald's now. Yeah, the number of cashiers is reduced to like two or three, and they're just filling your orders. They have kiosks now that oh, have man. replaced yeah. the cashier. Yeah, so you just go up and put you in put in your own order. And they see it and they feel it. So that even that staff has been reduced. Yep. But it hit me because oftentimes I think when, especially well in the, in the circles that I've that I've been in over the last uh, 14, 15 years or so, when we talk about automation, we immediately go to, like I said, the the factory jobs and things like that, because that's where the numbers are so staggering, mm-hmm. and that's where they're they've automated so dr- 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 drastically mm-hmm. with over the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about my job, for example. I'm an accountant, right? Mm-hmm. So 40 years ago, in order for the volume of transactions that I see today to have been produced, you would have needed a staff of maybe 20 to 25 accountants. 
because everybody had to take their own little set of transactions, put them in the system. Then the next person has to do their part. Next person has to do their part. And then finally it would come to someone like me to analyze. <laughs> right. So that's like five different steps. Yeah. Today, I currently am employed by a $20 billion company, Easy, mm-hmm. right? And my <laughs> accounting group for all of that money mm-hmm. is probably less than, I don't know, four people, five people. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's but like, the- I, I sat here and thought, like, dang, they automated the accounting job too. The programs that you're running on your computer. Right. The stuff that's on your computer uh-huh. is so far advanced, you know. And here's the thing: all innovation, business says, how can I capture it to reduce my labor costs? This right. goes back to our earlier discussion yeah. about what a corporation is. So the reality is, this will continue. the The companies that this gentleman is talking about that employs truck drivers. Now, it may not be in our lifetime where we see it really maxed out, but they're going to try a couple of these self-driving trucks. It's already happened. Right. Now, they, they haven't gotten all the bugs, bugs no. yet because they keep tagging pedestrians. Right. But once they get it worked out, and they will. So, bro. Yeah. If you can, if currently, today. Right. We can fly a drone. Yes. In a completely different country. Yes. From our current domestic situation, right. Part of how they're 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 automating these trucks is the same way. They have people sitting in the control room. They ping into the truck, which has cameras all around it, and they can see everything. And they can drive the truck from a control center, and then park it, go home at night, and call it a day. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So here, here's kind of what I wanted to do, though, is like because I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking like, okay. If if everybody is informed, and this is why I love the fact that Andrew Yang is kind of coming out and trying to kind of put this on a bigger platform mm-hmm. for people to be informed about kind of like where the future is going. Mm-hmm. If all of us are informed on this, then what can we be doing now to keep ourselves relevant in the age of automation? That's an awesome question, and you'd have to be a forward-thinking, proactive person. Absolutely. And if you are in your field, you can stay up to date. All the industry journals, uh, you know, I work in oil. Mm-hmm. Oil used to be guys slinging tongs and out there pinching their fingers. Mm-hmm. Now it's joystick. Really? I didn't even know I was. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Guys sit in a, in a doghouse, it's joystick, and they rack the pipe, they... You know, build another joint, send it down hole, the assistant drill, the driller. They're sitting in an air-conditioned little box. Wow. Versus the early guys who lost their fingers. Yeah, that wrangling. Yeah, so so what happens is if you look at the industry, Mm -hmm. always be on the cutting edge of your industry. Right. Now, it goes without saying, the common everyday jobs that can be done that are repetitious, they're going to find some automation for them. Correct. If I'm looking at going forward, I want to do something where it actually takes a bit of thought right. to, to happen. Right. Something with some creativity or whatever. But the reality is we're moving we're moving to that. We're yeah. moving to self-driving cars. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the idea that I had was, you know, like you said, stay um, 
just just continue to read about the trends mm -hmm. that are coming out. Mm -hmm. Not everything is going to be published in some public form or in an article because sometimes they want to keep that stuff close to the vest. But, like, for example, I'm in a support role. I'm in a corporate support role. Mm -hmm. Accountants are considered corporate support. Correct. We're, we're necessary, right, but we're not integral to the actual money-making process. Somebody got to count the money. Right. <laughs> we're, we're necessary to the backhand side of it <laughs> to make sure y'all understand where your money's going and what's happening. Y'all going to be around for a while. We, we, somebody got to count the money, man. Right. We're going to be around, yeah. but I don't think we're going to be around in such high, high numbers. No. Right. And I, I was telling my wife from the time that even I started in my career and... And, and I just kind of started at, from the time I became a senior accountant until now, mm. it's been 10, 12, 10, 11 years or so. Like, even my role has evolved. Mm. I do much less inputting of activity as I do analyzing and telling the story and forward thinking what's next. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you just, I think you just answered it. Understand that as the trend comes to automate and streamline, that you need to be ahead of the curve. Right. And you need to be open and ready to evolve and grow. Right. And if you're listening to us and, and, and you may be in a role where, um, you know, a, a, a lot of the degrees weren't necessary and all that stuff. Unfortunately, man, corporations... And and, and 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 this is where like I, sometimes I wish I ran my own like big organization because I've always thought, man, that you know there's very little value placed on some roles in the company mm -hmm. until they're gone, and <laughs> <laughs> then you then you miss them. Then you miss them absolutely. But also in that there's very little value placed on the people in those roles and what may happen to them. Um, but yeah. You know, always kind of look at the trends of what's happening. The kind of what we've talked about on this show for uh, 50 plus episodes, stay seeking knowledge to improve yourself, Absolutely. to improve your skills. And I think when you do that, it opens up your creativity into where else you may be able to go to Absolutely. constantly stay relevant. Absolutely. I'm, I'm plugging my book shamelessly again. Go. Your business, it's not a shameless your plug. Bus, your business card is a rental, and we talk about what drives this. Wall Street drives this. Wall Street says, I want you to cut your labor costs. You know this because you track labor costs. Right. Cut your labor costs. I want to maximize profits. I want to decrease what I have to invest to get what I want to get out. Correct. And so with that, you're always going to have this downward pressure on the labor line. Mm -hmm. We're going to automate. Can I do it faster, better, cheaper? That's always, well, I'm even better. Can I do it faster and cheaper? Right. <laughs> and if so, that'll maximize my profits and it'll get my stock going up. And that's just the reality of the world La we live in. Labor is the 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 one thing yeah. that you can control where if you cut it today, yeah. you see immediately immediate results tomorrow. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. Well, long term. You can hurt your company. Absolutely. In fact, long term, it does help their company many times. Yeah. But the Wall Street investor says they cut their labor law, their their labor uh, cost line. So go ahead and invest some money over there, and your stock price goes up. And unless you're somebody that gets stocks, that's another whole discussion. Another whole discussion. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, stay.
stay, stay like <laughs> continue to seek knowledge, folks. That's, that's all. That, that that's kind of what I'm taking away from it. Continue to seek. Continue to improve yourself. Grow. Continue to grow. Grow and develop. That's all right. it. Hey, all right, y'all. We'll see y'all on the next episode. All righty. Mm.